Well, Jonathan normally is right that I'm not as long-winded as him. <laughs> but I guess I could talk about some hunting experiences, or, and it would go a lot longer. And I was looking at the clock, and I'm like, oh, you're not giving me much time. But that's okay. Um, I'll share what the Lord's put on my heart and go from there. But first, before I do that, talking to the two seniors that we had here, um, you know, April 22nd, 1998, I graduate, well, I graduate a little after that, but June, but April 22nd, 1998, I wrote in my Bible, the Bible that I received as a gift, and it said in there, I'm going to be a pastor out west, that's the easiest, shortest version of it, and so, um, how many ever years ago that is, 21, right? Um, it is coming to fruition. Um, I never felt like, well, my mom and dad are like, Nebraska's out west. I'm like, no, it's still part of the Midwest. So, uh, yes, it's Midwest, the western part. But I guess going back to that, is there something about that Bible, at least for me, that I saw that God did over the years? And so I encourage you to write in there. I encourage you to say things in there and, and do things. And, and um, really quick, Soleil, I just really felt as we were praying for you that there, and I wanted to say it publicly because I wanted it to be on a recording so if you can go back and hear it, um, is I just heard Debertus rising up inside of you, that you're going to be a Debertus and your voice is going to be heard. And so I know typically you're a, you're a quieter person, but um, there's something inside of you that God's put inside of you for you to hear and for people to hear that's around you. And so don't ever be afraid of that. And uh, neither there was just a lot of, a lot of, what I heard was there's been, just been death that's spoken over you. And, um, and there's, right now, there's breaking of that death. That, um, that things that people have said, it has no stronghold on you anymore. I just kept on hearing, rise up, you mighty warrior. Rise up, you mighty warrior. Um, triumph valiantly, however heck you say that word. So now you can go back and listen to it and laugh at me every single time. So... That's what I just kept on hearing. But it has been an honor and a privilege to be um, an associate pastor here. Um, it's been three years and three quarters, roughly. And as I've prepared my message, um, there's just floods of emotion that rise up. Um, some of excitement to see what God's doing in the future, and some of sadness. And as you read my, my um, thoughts for this month, um, when Leslie sent them out a few weeks ago. Um, it's been something that the Lord has just been putting on my heart. And I look and I'm like, man, God, I thought it was hard leaving Michigan, and it was. It was hard to leave my family, um, blood family, and some friends there that I've known since I was in diapers. Um, but what I have seen is that in here, my family has become you guys. And I want to do this without crying, but you guys all know me. I'm a crier, so it's okay. <laughs> but people that have become family once were strangers, become friends, and they become family. There's nothing stronger, I believe, than a bond like that. That yes, it was hard to leave Michigan. Yes, it was hard to, to come away from that spot. But there's something harder when you have to work for building relationships and not that it was 
hard work, meaning like you guys all were horrible. And I'm like, hey, be my friend. Is that what I'm saying? But it's something that I had put myself out there. I had to become vulnerable. Um, the Lord taught me more how to be vulnerable in my last three and a half years here because there was walls that I put up and Linda's put up that the Lord, I know that the Lord wanted to break down because of where I'm going and what God's doing in my life that he wanted me to learn how to be vulnerable. And so over the last few years, you've heard me in this saying that says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And there's that theme that you've heard probably almost every sermon that I've preached or close to every sermon that I've preached. And the thing is, is that's what the Lord has done and doing and has done in my life. That I have felt broken multiple times. I have felt the Lord's love on people because of what he's doing inside of me. And so over the last three years, if you would look at my sermons and you would say, okay, what is a, what is a common theme through all the sermons? You would see three things. Forgiveness, loving others, and going after God. And as I've processed this, I've realized that that's what's happened in my life. that I've learned how to forgive as Christ forgave. I'm learning how to love like Christ loves. And my walk with God has become closer. And so as I've processed this, I'm like, what can I deposit into you guys as a church in my last sermon here as your life's pastor, associate pastor. And I've realized that the Lord wants to do that in your life also. Because he always starts with the leadership. And I'm not saying Jonathan has to do the same thing. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is he always starts with us to say, hey, I want you to be more vulnerable. I want you to learn how to forgive. I have a deer hanging on my wall because of forgiveness and some of you know that story and some of you don't I'm not have time I don't have time to share it all right now but it's because of forgiveness and what God did in my heart and my life that day and so the first thing that I want to share is forgiveness as a church learn how to forgive one another as a body of believers learn how to forgive each other We're growing up or we're in a society that feels like we have the right to be offended at everything because we can sit behind a computer screen and share whatever we want to share. We don't feel the emotion, don't feel the, the, what the damage that it's doing to that person in front of you. But it is destroying our society. We've lost the art of communication. We've lost the art to be able to humbly go to one another and talk with one another instead of, but instead what we do is we blast each other on Facebook. Some of you are like, what's Facebook? Because that's before my time, but that's okay. But the thing is, is that what we've done is we've okayed that in the churches. We've okayed that in our society when we should be the ones that's setting the record straight. We should be the ones with arms wide open as a church and as a community. 
We've also given out ribbons, blue ribbons for every participation thing that is under the face of this earth. Oh, you've... Now, I got one of these because I was in 4-H, but I got a milk the goat participation ribbon. Anybody get one of those? If you want, you go get one at the Petran Fair or Phelps County Fair. They probably got one. You can milk a goat, get a ribbon if you want to learn how to do that. Um, But the thing is this, is that you get a participation ribbon for everything. We've lost what it means to go through trials. Do you not understand that we can never always be on the mountaintop? The valley is the place that is the most growth. It has the richest soil out of all the mountain. It's got the water that's flowing because water doesn't flow on, like it flows down the valley. The thing that brings source of life to that mountain is in the valley. And Matt shared it, Jonathan spoke about it, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through it. That means I've got to go through it. But I won't fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. We've got to learn that it's okay to go through the valley. That's where the flowers are. That's where the beauty of the mountain is at. And then he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. He's preparing a table for you and me with my enemies present. (laughs) This is my guy. This is my son, my daughter. He's doing that because he loves you and he cares for you. But we've, we've prepared this, we've designed, or whatever you want to say, we've accepted culture that it's okay to be offended at everything. We don't have that right to do that. I believe. We gave up that right. And I believe that's the biggest, one of the biggest lies of the enemy that says you have that right to be offended. You have the right to harbor unforgiveness. And I'm telling you this, you don't have that. Because we have forgotten what it says in 1 Timothy 1, 5 through, or 5, 8 through 9. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. It's be alert. The Bible tells us right away that the enemy is looking who he can devour. So be alert and sober-minded. He's trying to devour the church. He's trying to devour you and me. He's trying to rob, steal, and destroy our lives. In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And the thief is the enemy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullness or to the full. We have forgotten that as a church, as society, 
that the enemy is out to rob, steal, and destroy your life. But the Lord brings fullness, freedom into your life. We have the ability to live in that freedom through Jesus Christ. We've also forgotten a very important scripture verse. It's found in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that, that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. I believe when it says, so when the day, that could mean later on, day as in numero uno. But I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that it's the day that we're living in. So we need to put on the full armor of God. Why? Because the enemy is trying to rob, steal, and destroy. It's not the person next to you. But so easily we say it's that person. Oh, it's Jonathan that has the issue. I I have an issue with him. No. If we would stop and hit our knees and pray against the enemy, the spiritual forces that are around us that we don't see, We need to stand. Stand firm. Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 says, Stand firm with the belt truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness on place. You know, I saw Nye walking in, and Jonathan made comment about it, is his belt buckle. But the thing is, the belt of truth, it, was, it wasn't just this little tiny buckle. You know, you know if you're a redneck, when you point to your ID and say, this is my, my buckle, this is my ID. Anybody hear that joke before? Okay, never mind. Bad joke. Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy get told it. I don't know why I'm... Anyways, I got off there. So sorry. Um, but anyways, belt. Putting on the belt. It covers. You know what it covers? The reproduction organs. It covers the truth where you can allow to be able to pass on the truth what the Lord tells about you. The breastplate of righteousness. You know what it covers? your chest, your heart, your vital organs up above. It's fitted with the readiness of your feet, or excuse me, your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel. Why? Because you're supposed to be ready to spread the gospel wherever you go. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith that will extinguish that will, you can extinguish the, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So when we realize that, we come to our knees and we pray and we say, man, I've got an issue with my, my spouse right now. But Lord, I've got to remember that it's the enemy trying to rob, steal, and destroy my marriage. I've got an issue with someone in the church. Because I know I've talked to quite a few people in here. And people have come to me and said, man, I just, if this person wasn't here, if this had happened, if the blah, blah, blah. 
the only person you can change is you. Is you. You can't change the person sitting next to you. Even though there's times where I want to change Linda and be like, can't you just think the way that I think? It doesn't work very well sometimes. But I've noticed, even when she says, Bo, can't you think the way that I think? I've noticed my wife go to her prayer closet and pray for me. And what happens is, is two weeks, two days, who knows what time it is? Because I don't always know when she's praying. And she says, I say, blah, blah, blah to her. And she's just like, you know what? I've been praying for that for the last two weeks. It's cool to see what God's done in your life. Prayer. God's the only one that can change the person sitting next to you. You can't. God can. And so what's your job? To love the daylights out of them. And let God change them. There's a scripture verse found in uh, Luke 7, 44 through 48, and I'm not going to read it all. Um, but I'm reading, I'm reading through the Bible with Linda and a couple other friends um, and just doing it together for accountability reasons. And I'm just like, hey, I want to do it. But anyways, this Luke 7, 44 through 48, it said this, and it just struck me that day when I read it. And basically, well, I'm going to read it anyways. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at the woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you, did not, you didn't offer me water to wash, your, wash the dust off my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she had not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with a rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And that struck me to the core that day when I read it. It's on, I think we're on um, 100 day 139 and that was day 88, so it's been quite a long time ago. But it struck me and stuck with me because it says, I tell you, her sins are many. All of us in this room, if we're really honest with each other, we have many sins, things that we've done. And we have forgiven, the Lord has forgiven us over and over and over and over and over. And, and I keep on going over and over and over and over and over for a long time. So we've given this opportunity, but the Lord has given us also to forgive others. Because what it's done is it's allowed us to show love to other people. To show what godly love is all about. And that's what Jesus was trying to show on that day is that with forgiveness, great forgiveness, great love, little forgiveness, little love. Which brings me to my second thing, is this, loving others. And some of you know my recent, most recent prayer that I started praying is, God, give me supernatural love. 
give me supernatural love, that I can love people the way that you love them, that I can see them the way that you see them. Because I could tell you there's a lot of people that are different than I am, and if I look at their, the physical outside appearance of someone, can really easily make me not want to love them for whatever reason, because I pass judgment on them. But Lord, give me the ability to see them in your way. And this is something that drives me crazy. I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, but um, there are people standing on the street corners yelling, basically, turn or burn. Turn from your wicked ways, you horrible sinner. Blah, blah, blah. That doesn't work. I don't know who invented that thing, but it doesn't work. And I, I wrote that down, and then the Lord reminded me it does work every once in a great, great while. And that was with Noah, or excuse me, Jonah and Nineveh. And he, he brought that back to my memory. And so what, I, what it did is I started thinking, okay, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Jonathan and I have met with him, and he was sharing with Jonathan and I the respect that he has for pastors because he believes that God's made him a, um, a uh, like a, well, he's made pastors more like a family doctor and him like an emergency room doctor. And how many times do you go to the emergency room? Very few times, right? But how many times do you go to a family doctor? You should be going quite regularly. And, and so it's sort of the same thing that I, was revealed to me when I was thinking about this this morning is that God was saying there's very few times that that street corner yelling can ever work. And it's that emergency room at the last split second to say, hey, you need God no matter what. And I believe everyone needs God, trust me. But there's something about a quiet, still voice, about building relationships like a, like a family doctor, building relationships with one another, building relationships with one another. Because that's where you get to know if that person really, truly does love you. And then what happens is, is you build relationship. And out of that relationship, they see Christ's love that you have. They see Christ's love through you. And so, yes, there is times where you have to have that emergency room situation. But there are more times than not that you need that family doctor situation. That means coming alongside of one another and walking through the junk that each person goes through in life because we all have situations in our life that we need, that we need help with. I believe 100% truth is speaking love or speaking truth. I believe in speaking truth. But without love, all that is is crap. because we have to have love. Just the other day, we were, had someone over to our house and they were asking Lynn and I some really tough questions. And it wasn't because he, and they didn't love us. They were like, hey, or they did love us actually, but it wasn't like they were trying to condemn us. They were just like, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? What about this? What about this? And it was just question after question after question. And, and I thought about it and it wasn't because they were trying to tear me down. It was because they wanted me to think and process. 
to make sure my heart was in the right spot. And so I absolutely believe in speaking truth. But President Teddy Roosevelt said this, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's really important. By walking alongside of people and walking through the miry junk and loving on them. And I'm not perfect at it. Someday I want to be, but I'm not there yet. See, Jesus, when I look at Jesus' life, Jesus went to those places. He sat down with sinners day in and day out. Jesus had dinner with scam artists, adulterers, drunkards, drunkards, and the list can go on and on and on. It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And most of the time when we quote that scripture, that's where we stop. But it says in 17, For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came to save the world through Jesus Christ, not to condemn it. But too often we speak stuff to condemn it. Serving one another is the greatest way to show love. There was somebody that came by this past week and said, hey, I know you're packing up everything. Is it okay if I, uh, I make a meal for you and your family? And I said, sure. And they showed up with two meals. I was like, sweet. That's my, that's a, I love food. But it's one of those things that the Lord knew what needed to happen. And the Lord took care of it because he cares about each one of us individually. But it's the best way to show that you love someone and care for someone is to serve them. Why? John, it's what Jesus did. But in John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for a friend. I get two pictures right away when I read that scripture. Verse 1 is obviously Jesus on the cross dying for you and me. And the second is this. I see a wounded warrior on the battlefield carrying his friend through the muck through the mire and shooting the enemy as he's trying to go away. That he was laid down his life to go after, to help his friend out. But there's so many servicemen in this room and in other... I get emotional when I think about servicemen. One, two reasons. One, I am so grateful for them and so thankful for them because of what they did, that they laid their life down for us and gave us the freedom. I'm not going to get into political stuff. So anyways, but they did it so that we can have the freedom. And second is like this. My grandpa was in the World War II in the Navy, and he's fought on the Pacific Realm or the Pacific Theater. And um, growing up, so every time I think about this, I also think about my grandpa. But anyways, he had two tattoos on his arms. And, um, and I thank God for his service because of what he did. He went out and he just served his country. And um, anyways, so 
it's just one of those things that I want, because I wanted to be like my grandpa, and I wanted to join the military, and I didn't, but it doesn't matter why. But anyways, um, sometimes I, I told Linda a few weeks ago, or not weeks ago, it's months ago, you know, I, that if there was one thing in, that I regret not doing was in the military. I wish I would have joined, but I didn't. And so, anyways, there's something inside of me that when we talk about military and laying down their life for their family or for the family and for people, there's no greater picture than that. Anyways, all right. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve or to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ served. He served with everything that he had. You know what he did? And I shared this before in a previous sermon. He washed Judas' feet. He served Judas knowing that Judas was going to betray him a couple hours later. How many of us in this room would do that for people? Sorry, I got to get a Kleenex. Sorry, you don't need to hear me wipe my nose. So, but how many of us in this room would do that? One, let alone wash the foot of the person that you really love or really care about or whatever you want to say, but then wash the feet of the person that betrayed you. Jesus did. I want to be like Jesus. I want to learn, Lord, help me, even if I know that Lance is going to backstab me or whatever. Lord, let me serve him with everything that I've got. Let me invest in him with all that I have because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would wash the feet just like he did with Judas. So the third and last thing I try to wrap it up here is this. Get close to God. Get close to God. Find quiet time. I know some of you are moms and dads. You don't have a lot of time because kids get in the way of that. I also believe that's the, the enemy's ploy to say, oh, we've got to do this and do that. But the thing is, is and I'm not saying kids are the, of the enemy. That's not what I'm saying in that. <laughs> Trust me. I mean distractions, because how many times of trying to put some kid to bed or trying to go, oh, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to get up and your kid wakes up the exact same time you do. Even though they went to bed at midnight, I don't know what kid goes to bed at midnight, but I'm going to say midnight, and they woke up at five o'clock in the morning at the same time you did. Like, there's things that I believe that the enemy tries to do to get you away from what God's called you to do, and that means get close to God. That could be five minutes a day. That could be from, from your house to your work. Maybe you walk, maybe you drive, whatever you do. Five minutes. It could mean two hours. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. I'm not, I don't, as far as I read, there's no set time except this, pray without ceasing. And so what I take is that any time that someone pops in my mind, Lord, just pray for Fred. Lord, will you just bless Fred today? Lord, will you minister to Fred? Lord, will you pour your spirit out upon Fred? Lord God, will you just, whatever. 
And so when that pops in my mind, I'm praying, and I'm asking God, will you just touch them? Will you minister to them? Lord, will you heal them from cancer? Lord God, will you, will you give them a job? Lord, will you just touch them in this time of mourning, whatever it may be? Get close to God. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He is faithful to show up to you. He is eagerly waiting every morning for you to wake up. He's sitting at the foot of his bed like, ooh, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait till Justin wakes up because as soon as Justin wakes up, I get to spend time with him. He's eagerly waiting when you seek him with your heart. Dude, he, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to lavish his love upon you. But too often we, we think like this. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Go out, and, and he's talking to Elijah. Jesus, or God is. Go out and stand before the mountain. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast. The rocks tore loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So often we want that big bang to say, here I am, right here. Trust me on this. But it's in the quiet, still and so that means finding time out of your day to listen to what the Lord has to say because he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you on a personal level. He wants to say, I'm proud of you, Stephen. I love you, Kay. The Lord wants to whisper things in your ear that will blow you away because he cares for you and he loves you so much he gave his only son for you so my three things are this forgive regularly forgive regularly it's going to happen love unconditionally love unconditionally and get close to God daily. Worship team, if you guys want to get ready. Get God, close to God daily. I believe those three things are on the heart of God. I believe those three things are for the heart of God for this church. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I love Spirit of Life Church. You will always have a place in my heart. Because what God did for my wife in here and my family, Psalms third, Psalms 10, verse 30, says, you've turned my mourning into dancing. You've taken off my sackcloth and give me a garment of praise that I may be able to sing of your love forever. 
God's taken the junk that I carried in here and he's used each one of you as a family, as a friend to help me become who God wants me to become. I'm not there yet, but I should say becoming because we're, we're never there until we get to go to heaven. But there's a special place for Nebraska, not the Huskers, but for Nebraska <laughs> in my heart. So God bless. Go ahead, Pastor Kelly. As we continue just in close, Pastor Kelly can continue worshiping, but if there's anybody that needs prayer, feel free to come up and we can pray for you, but also altar workers, I know we have a few altar workers, if God's put somebody on your heart to pray for, please feel free to just go to them and pray and just see what the Lord does, so if you need some prayer, you can feel free to come up here also, but um, you guys have a blessed day and may God bless you this week, God bless.